I just want to reaffirm what Randy said as a part of the nominating team for eldership. We were all incredibly impressed with the level of leadership that God has gifted our church with. All the nominees, we just as we went through all the nominations, we realized that God has gifted this church with some incredible godly men who can serve in leaders in so many ways. We only needed a few elders at this time in a church our size, but there are certainly other men who are leading already in our church and who maybe we even need to ask to step up into a greater way to lead in our church. So very impressed by that process. And I uh, hope that you continue to pray as we move forward as a, as a new church and uh, go into where God's calling us to go. I think it's very exciting. Very exciting to see where he's calling us. I've had a lot of questions about this, so I better go ahead and explain myself. This is um, two things. One, it's no shave November at our house. So we're doing this for Journey to Bethlehem, trying to get ready for that. So we've been trying to see who can grow the biggest beard in November. Kirsten's really, and the girls are dropping the ball. <laughs> I feel their cheeks. I'm like, you guys are not really trying very hard at this, are you? You're going to... Come on, Rosie's still beating me, our, our chocolate lab. She's still got more beard than I've got, but I'm, I think I've got a shot by the end of November. This is all about Journey to Bethlehem. I hope you'll come to that in a couple of weeks. So, Well, we're at the end of this series. We're concluding our message series, Not a Fan, so I have to ask you, when it comes to Jesus, are you not a fan? Anybody here a follower of Jesus? I guess say, I understand it's an obvious question. Kind of like going to Hershey, Pennsylvania and saying, anybody here love chocolate? I get it. It's an obvious question. At least it may seem so. I mean, we're in church. Everybody here is a follower of Jesus, right? Not necessarily. I didn't ask, do you go to church? I didn't ask, do you have a Bible? I didn't ask if your parents or grandparents are Christians. I didn't ask if you, you know, held your hand up at that revival thing one time or if you went forward at church service or if at some time in your life you got wet. I didn't ask any of that. I didn't ask if, you know, maybe your wife loves Jesus. I asked if you're a follower of Jesus. You see, there's a difference, as we've discovered in this series, between knowing about Jesus and actually knowing him. There's a difference between being a fan, an enthusiastic admirer who appreciates Jesus very much, and a follower of Jesus who submits and willingly follows him wherever he leads. There's a difference there. And assuming things are fine between you and God, that you and Jesus, you're cool, assuming that but not actually checking can be a very dangerous thing. It's always dangerous to assume things are fine and not checking. It was, it was like 14 years ago. I was talking to Kirsten about this this week. 14 years ago, it seems like it was yesterday. We lived in East Tennessee. It was about this time of year because I remember it was in the afternoon. It was very Christmassy feeling. We were going to go cut down a Christmas tree at our friend's tree farm. So it's in the afternoon. We're excited. We've got little toddler Alyssa and so I ran out to the car out the front door to go make sure everything was ready. I assumed that the storm door latched like it always does. I assumed it always latched, this uh, big glass storm door. So I went out, went down to the car that was parked in the front of the house down in the street. And I turned around for some reason. I saw Alyssa toddle up to the glass, press against the door. And it's at that moment I was panic struck as I realized the door had not latched. As she leaned against it and the door started to swing open. I couldn't do anything. To get to her from my car, I had to go up a long flight of stairs, across the front yard, up some more stairs to our stone porch. So all I could do is watch in horror as the door swung open and she tumbled out and fell on her head on our stone porch. And I'm freaking out. Now I've been a dad now for 16 years, so I get it now, what you get, that every kid gets dropped on their head at least once in their life. Probably explains so much about all of us. But at that moment, I didn't know that. I'm just freaking out, thinking I'm just watching my little girl die. And, you know, it turned out she was fine. She was a little grumpy, understandably, when we went to go cut the Christmas tree down. But she was fine. But I learned something from that as a dad. And just I'm, over my lifetime, I've learned, don't assume things are fine. Make sure they are. You check. So I'll ask again, 
Are you a follower of Jesus? How do you know? Have you checked? If you've been here for this series, you know you shouldn't answer that question too quickly. It's a dangerous thing to assume things are fine between you and Jesus if you haven't actually taken the time to check. Just to assume that things are fine because you showed up here is not simply just not enough. In fact, Jesus in Matthew 7 warned a whole group of people. He said, listen, there's going to come a time when people assumed they were my followers only to find out they were mistaken. They're going to think through their whole lives that they were great with me, that we were good. And they're going to get to the day of judgment and discover they should have checked because they're not. This is how he said it in Matthew 7. This will be up on the screen. I'm reading this from the New Living Translation. Jesus said, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But I'll reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. This is a question, honestly, with eternal consequences for all of us. Uh, you want to make sure you can answer this question correctly. You don't want to assume things are fine with God only to find out at the last day that, they, that they're not. This is something you want to check out. You want to dis- don't want to discover, I thought I was a follower, but apparently I was a fan, just an enthusiastic admirer of Jesus with no faith and no trust in him. And I've been praying through this whole series for all of you. And my prayer has been that either you would be uh, confirmed and comforted in the fact that you truly are a follower of Jesus and that his grace is there for you and that you have submitted to him as, as Lord, as leader of your life. But I've also been praying that a number of you would come to the conclusion that things are not good between you and God because you've been here and you've enjoyed being around Jesus, but you have never actually taken that step and say, I submit to Jesus and obeyed him. And so... I love you all, and I don't want anybody from Connection, I don't want anybody, period, but I don't want especially you and my church family to get to that day of judgment and find out, I just never did what I was supposed to do. I never really committed to Jesus. At the end of the message today, we're going to actually give everyone a chance to express that commitment that you have to Jesus, whether you've done it before or never. We'll give you that opportunity. Today, what we're going to do is, if you'll take your Bible, we're going to look at three more instances where people came to Jesus. They were potential followers. They were very interested in coming to Jesus. And we're going to look at what we learned from them. This is in Luke chapter 9. I invite you to take a Bible and turn there. Three instances where people came to Jesus as potential followers. In each instance, we learn something that it takes to become a follower of Jesus. I look at these three people, and it kind of I see it as they showing us three checkpoints. And each one of these checkpoints is a place where a f- true follower of Jesus is going to be able to breeze right on through, whereas a follower is going to stop and say, I'm not willing to go beyond this point. Three checkpoints here. So as we look at these, I want us to very seriously ask the Lord to reveal things to our heart that are true. And I've been asking that the Lord would show you what it is you need to do and that he would give you the courage to do it when you realize it, when you come to that point where you know you need to be obedient in something that God's saying to you. So let's go ahead and look at this. Three people who followed Jesus. We're starting down in verse 57. It says, as they were walking along the road, a man said to Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Then Jesus said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And still another said, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, 
No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. I look at these three people. They look like people who are very eager to follow Jesus. They look like they get it. And yet, when we look at these guys, when they get to the checkpoint, when things start to get very real where they have to actually make a decision, am I going to cross through or not, they start making excuses. They start negotiating the terms with Jesus as to what it means for them to follow him. And what you realize is they aren't really ready yet to deny themselves to take up a cross and to follow Jesus. And so when we look at this, we need to understand as we come to these checkpoints, just what does it mean to follow Jesus? Have I done that? Am I willing to do it? Like take the first guy, for example, who comes to Jesus. When he got to the checkpoint, he had to come to terms with the fact that a follower will go wherever Jesus leads. That's the first checkpoint right there. Will you go wherever Jesus leads? And that was very hard for him to accept. But first of all, just listen to him. And doesn't he sound very impressive? He comes to Jesus. He took the initiative. He comes to him and says, I will follow you wherever you go, which sounds exactly like what you would expect a follower to say. Jesus, you go, I'll follow you. So what's wrong with that? How can you find fault with this guy? Sign him up. He's just an obvious ready-to-go follower, right? Maybe not. Jesus knows something that a lot of people don't know. He knows what's in our hearts. And so he looks at this guy and he correctly diagnoses that this guy is really not as interested in being a follower as he says he is. Because Jesus looks at him and he goes, dude, you do understand I'm homeless, right? We're not staying at the Holiday Inn Express on this preaching and teaching tour. Are you really ready to go wherever I go? And what became very clear immediately is that this guy was willing to go wherever Jesus led as long as it stayed inside of his comfort zone. As long as I don't have to get too uncomfortable, if I don't have to go beyond where I feel like I'm ready to go, I'll follow you there, Jesus. And so he's already putting some stipulations on where he'll go, whereas a true follower will go wherever Jesus leads. I will give up my security. The implication here is this guy said anywhere, but he didn't really mean it. Pastor Larry Osborne puts it this way. I love this quote. He says, in many areas of our life, we treat Jesus like he's our personal consultant rather than the Lord of our lives. Here's how Larry Osborne said it. I believe I have it in your worship folder. It's definitely going to be on the screen. He said, a consultant is someone whose wisdom we highly value and who we listen to. But at the end of the day, we make the final decision. That's why they're called consultants. Here's the problem. God doesn't do consulting. Never has. Never will. God does God. We treat him like a consultant. He just stops showing up for the meetings. God says, here's where we're going. You follow me in obedience, or you choose not to. But I'm not going to be your consultant. Here's what Jesus expects. He expects followers who say yes before they even know what they're committing to. Before they even know the request, the answer is already yes. A true follower says, my answer is yes. Now, where are we going? My itinerary is open. My schedule is here. Feel free, Jesus, to edit it. Feel free to write in anything you want to. I will go wherever you lead. You know why we don't want to give Jesus an open itinerary? Why we don't want to say, Jesus, I'll go wherever? You really know? Have you ever thought about that? Because I'm pretty sure every one of us at one point or another have experienced that reluctance to truly say yes to Jesus. And here it is. We're afraid there are some places that he will send us that we would never, ever want to go on our own. We're afraid that he's going to lead us to places that, that are outside of our comfort zone. And here's the truth of the matter. The places Jesus, we, we fear, will lead us are probably exactly the places we know we should go but we don't want to come to terms with that. The call of Jesus, if you truly follow him, will take you out of your comfort zone every time. It's been my experience in life. 
See, if you say, Jesus, you are my Lord, then Jesus is going to say, all right, follow me, because we're going to go talk to that person you've been avoiding. We're going to go talk to that person that, that you've got some bitterness in your heart toward that you need to get reconciled with. And you're like, wait a minute, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere, but there's no way I'm talking to that guy. Jesus says, all right, so you're going to follow me? Here, you know what we need to do? We need to go talk to your friend at work about me. And you're like, wait a minute, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere, but I don't want things to get weird at, at work. I mean, it's work. I, I like you at church, but you know, if I bring you up at work, things could get a little awkward. So Jesus says, you know what? If you're willing to follow me anywhere, let's go across the street and talk to that annoying neighbor that you just cannot stand. If you say, I'm going to follow Jesus anywhere, Jesus may say to you, all right, well, let's go on that work trip to Haiti next summer. And you're like, wait a minute. I don't feel real comfortable going out of the country, Jesus. It's not safe. You say, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere. And he says, all right, how about into the baptistry? How about you obey me and in, in being immersed into me? Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere. And Jesus says, all right, let's go apologize to that person. All right, let's go take care of this. Let's give that away. Let's stop going there. See, when you say, Jesus, I'll be your follower, what that means is he says where you go and where you don't go. Many times we don't like it. One of the bigger obstacles we ever face in following Jesus is the fear of what if. What if I really, really commit to Jesus and he makes me move to the slums of Thailand? You know? What if? It's that fear. I can assure you, just go ahead and get it on your, in your mind right now, Jesus will call you to go to some places that you're afraid to go. It may be literally, it may be some decisions that you may need to make that you don't want to make. He will call on you to do some things that scare you. He may call on you to give up some things that you've just grown to love in your life. I guarantee you this, though, too. Whatever Jesus calls on you to do is the absolute best thing that you could ever do. God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. And I will tell you this, every time I've ever been reluctant to do what he's asked me to do, to go wherever he's called me to go, as soon as I relent and submit to his leadership, I'm almost immediately like, why did I put that off so long? You ever experience that? When I'm finally obedient to the Lord, I'm like, why did I ever worry about this? This is like amazing. I wish I had done this like as soon as Jesus said to do it because this is the best thing. But we put it off. But the first checkpoint is, will I go wherever Jesus leads? Now you go back to Luke, and Jesus called the second man with two simple words. It's the same invitation that Jesus calls out to each one of us today. He simply looked at him and said, follow me. And Jesus today says the same thing to every one of us. Follow me. And then this guy comes back with what sounds to me like a reasonable request. Lord, let me go first bury my dad, and then I'll come follow you. Now what's wrong with that? This guy sounds like a reasonable guy. He sounds like he'd be a great follower. He's respectful to Jesus. He calls him Lord. Lord, uh, let me just go bury my dad. Lord is what a slave would say to his master. Boss, leader, Lord, let me just go take, he's a family man. He wants to go take care of his dad's arrangements. He's responsible. He's respectful. He's respectable. Wouldn't this be a good candidate to follow Jesus? Why isn't Jesus just saying, okay, why, when he says, Lord, just, can I just get back with you in a little bit? Why is Jesus so adamant that he should follow him right now? What's going on here? Jesus, can I just go bury my dad? No. No, you can't go bury your dad. No, you follow me right now. And again, I look at this, I think, what's going on here? Again, Jesus is looking straight into this man's heart. And Jesus sees past all the excuses and when you really research this out, you come to understand that this guy's dad probably wasn't even dead yet. In fact, chances are his dad wasn't even sick. 
what's really going on here is this man may have been very concerned about what his parents would think if he left them to go follow this unorthodox rabbi all over the place. This guy may have been afraid that his parents would be disappointed in him if he did this. He may have been afraid his parents would be disappointed if he didn't continue in the family business instead of following Jesus. He may have been concerned that he would miss out on his inheritance if he followed Jesus. Whatever it is, Jesus cuts it off and he forces the decision. He draws a line and he says, now, you're standing at a checkpoint. Right now, not when your dad is dead, not when you go back home and work things. Right now, will you follow me? Jesus forces the issue. He said, you're at a checkpoint. And here's that second checkpoint. And it's this, a follower will, will respond whenever Jesus calls. Whenever Jesus calls, a follower responds. And I notice, and I want you to notice what Jesus did not say to him. He didn't say, you know, it's cool. Take your time. You'll know when the time's right. Jesus didn't look at him and say, I don't want to put any pressure on you. So sure, you know, just work this out. I'll be here whenever you're ready to get back with me. Jesus didn't say any of those things. He said, you decide right now if you're going to follow me or not. In fact, what he said was, let the dead bury their own dead, which would have caused people in the audience to kind of chuckle and wince at the same time. It was a play on words. It's not like the walking dead or anything like that. Jesus was saying to them, and everybody would have got it, let the spiritually dead bury the physically dead. You are standing in front of me right now, the source of life. You need to follow me right now. You are the one who's at this decision point, this checkpoint. You decide right now. And what the guy said was, I don't think I'm ready right now. And I want you to compare this man's response to four other men who were called to follow Jesus and just compare how the response was so different night and day. Matthew 4, 18, it says this, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said. I'll make you guys fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Did you notice in there the adverbs that describe how Peter, Andrew, James, and John all followed Jesus? At once. Immediately. There was no hesitation. There was no, you know, my dad really needs me right now. We're kind of busy. Can I get back with you? There's immediately, at once, Jesus called and they followed. And here's the thing. When Jesus calls us, we need to realize that it's time to do right now what you know is the next right thing to do. See, when Jesus is speaking to you, the time to do something about it is right now. Do right now the next right thing that you know to do. Whenever God sends us an invitation, the RSVP on it is always today, right now. When God is speaking into you, your life, and he's speaking to your heart, and I believe that God is speaking to some of you right now today, and he has been. I've been praying for it. I believe he is. The time to do something about that is right now. But what we say many times is tomorrow, next week. This isn't really a good time for me right now. I'll get back with you later. And so we hit the snooze button on what God is calling us to do, and we push off into the future what we should be doing right now. You know why that's such a bad idea? It's always a bad idea to hit snooze on what God's calling you to do, and it's something called the as-now-so-then principle. It's basically saying the best indicator of what you're going to do later is what you are doing right now. Put it in a, another way, the current habits that you have right now are the most likely predictor of your future practices. 
as now, so then. It's why my wife knows, like, it's a bad idea in the evening for me to recline on the couch. She's like, get up, come on, let's go. I'm like, just a minute. As now, so then. She knows if she lets me stay there for another minute, it's not going to be another minute. I'm going to wake up, like, an hour and a half later going, where's my family? And why is the TV on? And it's 1130 at night. If I don't get up right now, I'm not getting up in a minute. You know what I mean? As now, so then. Whatever you're doing right now is what you're going to do. If you are not responding to God right now, chances are you are not going to respond to him later. And it's such a, good, a bad idea to put off something you know Jesus is calling on you to do. You should just do it now because you may not do it later. And that voice, that prompting, that urging in your heart, you know God's telling you to do something. It gets softer over time. And you'll think, well, I guess God changed his mind. But it's really just that you have become comfortably numb to what God is calling you to do. You've become accustomed to ignoring what God is asking you to do. And it's not that God has changed his mind. You've just learned to ignore him. And so you're not hearing it anymore. That's why in the Bible, in Hebrews 3.15, it says this. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. The time to respond when God is calling you is now. Today. Don't tell yourself, next week I'll get to it. I'll respond to the invitation. You know, After we get past Thanksgiving, then I'll do it. Don't say, I'll be baptized some other time. This is not really a convenient time for me right now. Don't say that you'll put off the secret sin that's holding you down. Don't say, I'll get around to getting rid of that bad habit later. Don't say, you know, I'm just not ready yet to share my faith, so I'm going to study a little more and then I'll do it. Don't say, you know, next year would be a good time for me to serve in the food pantry or to, to do something for God and for my community. If God's calling on you to do something now, now is the time to do it. Now is the time to ask, uh, respond. Whatever God is calling on you to do, go where he leads. Respond now. Well, one last fan came to Jesus, and he said, hey, I'd like to be a follower, but can I just go home and tell my family goodbye first? Apparently, he wasn't listening very well when the, the second guy came to Jesus or, or maybe he wasn't around for that conversation because he's asking pretty much the same thing. Can I, can I just have a second? Can I go home and tell my family goodbye, hug my kids, kiss my wife? I mean, and that sounds reasonable to me too. I'm, I'm looking at this going, if I just disappeared, my family would be worried. How about you? I don't want to go like follow Jesus and six months later find my face on the back of a milk carton. Have you seen him? He's missing. Where is he? It sounds like a very reasonable request. Just let me go tell my, my family goodbye so they know where I'm at, Jesus. And Jesus is like, no, no, you can't do that. Well, what's up with that? Why is Jesus being so unreasonable and, and hardcore? Again, it goes back to the culture. A farewell like this, where you're leaving the area, would involve many celebrations, many parties that could go on for weeks and weeks and weeks. And Jesus correctly looked into this guy's heart and discerned, this is not just about going home and saying goodbye. There is still something back home that is drawing your heart. There is something else that's pulling on you, and you may get home and tell your family goodbye, but you may never come back and follow me. The time is right now. So Jesus gives this teaching, and he says this, No one who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. You you understand this. You don't even have to be a farmer to get it. That If you've got oxen or or, uh, mules pulling your plow and you're constantly doing this, that your furrows are going to be all over the place and you're not going to be a good farmer. And the same thing is true in following Jesus. If you say, I'm going to follow Jesus, but you continue to look back to other things in your old life that you're supposed to leave behind, you're not going to do a very good job of following Jesus. Which brings us to the third checkpoint. A follower will do whatever Jesus asks. 
follower will go wherever Jesus sends us. A follower will respond whenever he calls. And finally, a follower will do whatever Jesus asks. Whenever he asks, you'll do whatever he asks. There's a legend, I don't know if it's true or not, that before the Knights of Templar went to go fight in the Crusades, that they were all baptized. So they went into the water to be immersed in the water. They brought their swords with them, but they held their swords out of the water as they were lowered in and came out. Which was, if it's true, symbolic of what they said they were doing. I am in the kingdom of God. I am a part of the kingdom. But God, you cannot have this. Because I'm going to go do some things on the battlefield that are not really part of the kingdom of God. So while I'm giving you me, I'm not giving you this. I'm going to hold this out of the water, God, because you can't have this. And I wonder if we were honest, if we could say, yes, I follow Jesus, but I've held something out of the water. Maybe for you it's your schedule, and, and you've held your calendar out of the water. And you say, Jesus, I will follow you, but there are some things that I've already got planned and I've got blocked out. And so whenever there's a conflict between what you want to do and what the Lord wants you to do, does the Lord ever win with you? Or is it always, I can't do this for God because I've already committed to this? Did you hold your calendar out of the water? How about your wallet or your checkbook? You hold that out of the water? And you say, I would, you know, maybe God wants me to be a generous person. I would love to give generously, but I just can't. And, and honestly, maybe that's true. Maybe you have taken your entire income and your budget, and you've already committed it to everything else, and so you literally can't be generous because you've already spent it on everything else. And so you say to the Lord, I would love to give, but this isn't a good time. So I'm holding my wallet out of the water. And instead of readjusting the priorities of where you spend your money, you say, Lord, this is just not yours. What are you holding out of the water? Is it your car? Your family? Computer mouse, TV remote? What is it in your life that keeps you from doing whatever it is that Jesus asks of you? What is it that needs to, to go into the water? You know, I, I understand this. I don't want you to think I'm unsympathetic. I'm, I'm one of you. I'm a guy who's trying to be a follower of Jesus just like you are. And I know it can be very scary when you consider that if I say Jesus is Lord, that means that, I mean, I'm like giving, I'm relinquishing total control of my life to somebody else. And that's a scary proposition to say, I'll go wherever he leads. I will respond whenever he calls. That, that can be intimidating. Here's the thing I hope that I've conveyed to you, though, as I've been preaching, not only through this series, but just when I preach every week, and that is that Jesus can be trusted. The best thing you will ever do in your life is to trust him and to do what he asks you to do, to surrender to him. See, Jesus, he calls on us to, to make some decisions that honestly are painful and scary. It's painful because it is painful to become an unselfish person when you have been self-centered your entire life. At first, that's painful. I've been a Christian 35 more I don't know. I've been a Christian a long time. And it's still painful sometimes when I realize how selfish I can be. But at the same time, I realize that Jesus is the wisest, most intelligent, most kind and gracious, smartest person I have ever met. And whatever he asks me to do is always the best thing. Always, hands down, has proven to be the best thing. So whenever Jesus says to do something, he has our best interest at heart. It's the right thing to do. And here's what we think mistakenly, and I bet you've got friends who think this way. You may have thought this way sometime. You may think this way now. We think the maximum freedom in my life comes from getting to do whatever I want. When I finally get to move out of the house, I can call my own shots. I can do whatever I want. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. I'm going to live my life the way I want. And we think that's real freedom, and it's not. 
The truth of the matter is sin, when we deliberately disobey God and go our own way, sin always leads to slavery and addiction. Always. When we choose to go our own way and do our own thing, it's like sawing the branch off that you're sitting on. Slavery to sin always results from doing our own thing. But here's the, the opposite of that is true too. Surrendering to Jesus always brings the maximum amount of freedom any person will ever experience in their life. I know that sounds like a paradox. How, how by surrendering to someone else can I have the maximum amount of freedom? But that's the way it is. When you submit to Jesus Christ, when you submit to righteousness, you find that you have freedom that you never experience when you just say, I'm going to do whatever I want, live whatever I want to do, live the way I want to live. Jesus said it this way. When you come to know me, you're going to come to know the truth. And what does the truth do? It sets you free. This morning, I just want to challenge you. Because I think Jesus is talking to every single one of us today. I have a response to this message myself. Will you submit to Jesus and follow him where he's leading you? I was, um, I was thinking about this. I, we didn't grow up in church when I was little. My parents went through a, you know, I don't want to be disrespectful, and they just kind of went through a wild time in their life. And they, they knew better, but we didn't go to church. And so I didn't grow up in church. We went occasionally. So I had like a belief of God, and I had kind of a sense that, you know, I had a, a knowledge of God, and I thought that was all I needed. I had a Bible at home. Um, but then there came a point in our lives where we started really going to church, started taking things seriously. And so I'm going to church every weekend, and I'm starting to learn much more about God. I still thought I was good with God, though, because I'm going to church every weekend. My mom's going to church. We're, we're Christians, right? Until one Sunday in Sunday school, Nancy Douglas, my Sunday school teacher, I don't even remember what the lesson was about, but I remember she taught in a way that it just, everything like clicked in my head. I still remember that sensation to this day. It just went, oh, just because I'm going to church with my mom, just because I believe in God, doesn't mean I'm a Christian. I don't know why, but it just clicked in my mind. I have to actually choose this myself. I think it was God speaking to my heart, honestly. And it was right then at that moment, I started talking to her about it that Sunday. Through that week, I talked to my mom, who then invited our pastor to come over. I talked to him. That next Sunday, it was December 12, 1976, I was immersed in baptism. And I realized that was the next right thing for me to do. I have never since then ever regretted that decision to give my life to Jesus, to obey him. I mean, I've got things I regret. That's never going to be one of them. As you sit here this morning, what is your next right thing that you need to do? What has Jesus put on your heart? I think he has. I think he's put something on every one of our hearts. And we're at a, what we call our invitation time. I was telling Brian Heinrich this week, we're going to go old school. I don't know where you went to church growing up or if you even went to church growing up. In my home church, we did this thing where we had invitation. We actually invited people to come down to the front if they had a decision to make. And so I'm going to describe to you some of the decisions you may want to make today. And I want to give you a chance in a moment to respond by coming down. Here's some of the things you may be thinking about. You may be sitting here this morning and realize, I've never committed to Jesus. I have never personally made that decision. I've always just assumed because I was brought up in church, that I went to church, that I know Jesus, that, I, that I'm a Christian. And maybe you know I'm not, and I need to do something about that. This morning, if that's you, would you come down to the center section and there'll be people there who will talk to you about what that looks like and guide you through that process. Maybe for you, you have been a Christian. You've loved Jesus your whole life, and you've followed him, but you've come to realize, as Jesus says in Matthew 28, if somebody wants to be my disciple, you need to immerse them. And you realize, I've never been immersed. I have never obeyed Jesus' command to be baptized. 
my parents baptized me when I was young or I've just never done it for whatever reason, no criticism for me, believe me. I fully believe that you love Jesus, that you're a follower. That I'm not saying you're not a Christian, but it's a very simple thing. If your Lord has told you and commanded you to be immersed, have you done it or not? I think you're, have you been immersed in water like Jesus commanded you or not? If not, why not do that today? We've already made arrangements with our other campus at Harvester. We can go over there this afternoon. We can set up a time this week. If you've not been immersed, why not obey Jesus, your Lord, and just do, he himself was immersed to set the example for us. Why not do that? For some of you, maybe the decision you need to make this morning is to say, I've been coming to this church a long time. I love this place, and I really think I need to plug in here. Why not make this place your church home and become a member here? We need you. This is an exciting time in our church family. Why not place your membership here today? You, maybe you're sitting here thinking, I'm not sure if I'm a member or not. I, you'd know if you were a member. First of all, you'd remember the, the mandatory blood test. So if you didn't do that, no. If you're not sure if you're a member or not, why don't you just come down to that center section and talk to somebody and say, hey, I'm ready to place my membership here. Let's talk about that. For the rest of us who are here, and maybe you, I am a Christian. I have been immersed. I'm a member. What do I do? Either you are a follower of Jesus and you can recommit yourself to that and just reaffirm, I love Jesus, I'm going to continue following him. Or maybe you feel like I have drifted and I've just gone so far away from God and I love him still, but I just haven't been obedient. For you, maybe your decision is to stand and come down and just pray. And you don't need to talk to anybody. You just either want to say, Jesus, I'm still committed to you or Jesus, I repent and I come back to you. So I know this is going to look a little odd, but here's what I want you to do. Everybody has a chance to respond this morning. In a moment, Brian's going to have us sing this song. If you feel like you want to respond in one of these ways, I simply invite you to stand and either come to the center aisle. If it gets crowded, that's okay. You can come down to the front here. You can take the side aisles. I don't care. But I want you to move. When you follow Jesus, you move. So everyone this morning, if one of those things is true, if you can say, I need to become a Christian, you find somebody. In fact, I want to invite those who are going to counsel right now to go ahead and come to the center so you can see who those are that you can go and talk to. If you don't need to talk to anybody and you just say, I just need to move, I just need to go forward and just commit or recommit my life, just come down and, and find somewhere to pray, but get out of your seat and follow him. Would you stand with me and let's pray right now. Father, I want to thank you that you love us, that you care for us, that you tell us the truth, and we know that truth sets us free. So, Father, this morning I just pray that you would speak to our hearts. Help us to, to know with absolute certainty what it is you're asking us to do. Um, I think I could speak for all of us and I say we love you. But we love you because you loved us first. And uh, the, the best thing that we could do with that life that you gave us is to use it to honor you. And so I pray that today is a day where that starts. For me for my family, for my church family, that we just respond to you, that we continue to move forward in obedience, that we wouldn't stall out and let fear or anything else keep us from doing that we know what you've called us to do. I thank you for everything you're doing in this church family. I thank you for Jesus that loved us enough to give his life for us and to set us this example. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.